Other horns don't. Everything that we do every day, we want to be a champion. Get your mind right and let's go. Do the little things. Win every day. It's a simplistic play so far. Everything with an attitude. Got a balance. I don't give a shit who we're playing. This is a mauling, folks, a mauling. Fear the tide, honey badger. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. This is Dave Ryan Solo again, and we're going to do uh, sort of part two of our quarter one uh, 2020 Q1 catch-up, right? So a handful of topics. Uh, I know we got uh, deep into the weeds around some topics in our last show. And uh, so this week we've got, or this this episode, hopefully I'm not, hopefully it doesn't take a week to get them both out. But this show, damn, we've done a weekly show for so long. So this show, we're going to cover about six, uh, I think we did three of 10. So we're going to cover uh, seven of 10, math, uh, seven of 10 in this next show. And these, will, I think, will be more lighthearted topics. So we got deep into the beat golding and I have strong feelings about that and engaging with some fans that are, are, are willingly oblivious to sort of the facts of the circumstance. And so we'll have we'll run through some topics topics here. These will be a lot more fun. Uh these are opinions too, but they're um you know a lighter opinion. So let's jump in. Let's cover um the remaining topics that we have here in part two of our 2020 Q1 Alabama football catch up with the Alabama football podcast and uh, and you are wonderful fans. So 2020 recruiting class, you know, there's a, there, there are 20, 22, 23, 24 players in the recruiting class. And I'm going to reference that thing again. If this were a drinking game, drink up. Uh, but you know, in the bonus episodes, there's like a two hour episode where we talk through every position. We have an opinion perspective on every player and we forecast, you know, what they can be, and we really sort of get into the weeds of that, uh, where they inter- intersect and overlap with players on the existing team, who we think is going to transfer, who we think is going to stick around, what do we think the starters are uh, for A-Day. All of that kind of stuff is there. It's there. It's there. It's available. And, uh, and damn it, I think it's still worth – it's worth right now the 10 bucks to get in to what we're going to do over the next couple of months for bonus episodes. And then I won't reference that again. Hopefully not the rest of the show. Uh, but I say that to say this. I'm not recreating all of that in this uh, in this 2020 recruiting class catch-up. What I want to do in this catch-up is probably repeat some of that content, but by no means all of it. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about, uh, I'm going to forecast, I'm going to project, and I didn't do this on that show, uh, the top five impact players from the 2020 recruiting class in year one. So who are the top five players in this recruiting class as true freshmen that I think will make contributions, impact contributions on the field? And um, let's jump right in. And so kind of in no particular order, number one is Bryce Young, quarterback. Here's what we're going for here. Mac Jones is going to be the starter, right? I don't think Bryce Young comes in and beats him out. But Bryce Young, Jones, or Bryce Young is going to have the opportunity in spring practice. And he probably leads one of the teams, the Crimson or the White team, with Mac leading the other. And so we'll have, to the extent that quarterbacks go head-to-head, we'll have a head-to-head. And uh, But I think when we, get, when we think about the 2020 season, I think Saban kind of does what he does. And he says, we're going to, we're going to draw in just a little bit, and we're going to stick with where we know we have a high floor 
versus a high ceiling with an unknown floor. And to do that, we're going to go with Mac Jones. But we do not want a Justin Fields situation. We do not want, and I'm not mad at Jake Fromm at Georgia, but Justin Fields was a better quarterback on that team. Uh, Jake Fromm, it's, it, there's a parallel, right? Jake Fromm, Mac Jones is, is Mac Jones is Jake Fromm. You know what you got. You know where the floor is. You know there's, you know there's a decent ceiling. But Bryce Young is the better quarterback overall, as was Justin Fields at Georgia. Well, Kirby Smart in Georgia misplayed that. And now Justin Fields was a Heisman candidate at Ohio State. And they're going to be one of the top playoff teams next year with Justin Fields. And so what Coach Saban and Sark and coaching staff will do is using that as as the guideline, using that as as a potential template of danger, a template of doom. (laughs) My youth came out, my childhood, that was, I remember Temple of Doom. Um, with uh, Indiana Jones. And so that's a template of doom. Uh, I don't know why that was funny. Because um, it is funny. <clears throat> that Bryce Young will see the field. He'll play. He'll have a defined role. Not this crazy sort of stupid, undefined, get him on the field role that Georgia did with Justin Fields that caused him to want to leave. We will have a template. We will have a uh, a plan to put Bryce Young on the field that makes him want to stay. And if truly Bryce Young is the better quarterback, much like Dabo Sweeney and Clemson. So there's your two templates, right? Trevor Lawrence became the starter ahead of Kelly Bryant, right? And then so Kelly Bryant transferred instead of Trevor Lawrence. And so you could reason that, huh, Clemson did it right and Georgia did it wrong. So if we can use those as guideposts and air towards what Clemson did versus what Georgia did, then if, if for 2021, we only have one of these quarterbacks still on the roster, we will have the right one on the roster, right? All right. So Bryce Young is going to be one of my starting five impact players, and it will be a storyline to watch throughout the season. And it, it's such a storyline, the, the media will be all over this one, right? So this will be easy to get information. But don't think this is not a uh, – uh, but think of it in the terms that we're going to present out because you won't hear that stuff anywhere. You won't hear the – the, the, the Georgia Clemson modeling that we'll need to do uh, to manage that right. But I, I think that's the right way of looking at it. All right, number two, impact player. Loosely in no order, kind of in an order. Uh, number two, Ronald Williams, cornerback. It's an immediate need position. So let me explain why. An immediate need position. He's a JUCO. He's an All-American JUCO. Saban gets JUCOs when he needs a JUCO. When he needs a player, he'll go get a JUCO. So to bring in Ronald Williams, an All-America corner from the JUCO ranks, it's an immediate need position. He will make an impact. He'll play in 2021. He has the opportunity to start. Uh, I think Patrick Sertain, phenomenal player. I think he moves to star, which is where Minka played. And I think... Op, and, and so I think Ronald Williams starts at a cornerback position. Uh, Patrick Sertain moving to the star position. And then opposite of Ronald, I think it's Josh Jones. I think that's sort of the three corners on the field. Uh, but Patrick Sertain, who might be the best of the three, probably is the best of the three, that he'll move to the star position. Again, much like Minka did. Uh, number three, uh, Tim Smith, defensive tackle. Dude goes about 320. Uh, is just a beast. 
I think we, we uh, well, and I think I know uh, Alabama lost uh, Raekwon and uh, uh, Tavita Masika, and it is a need position. He's a big body that can really bolster our run defense. If DJ Dale comes back healthy, think of a line with Tim Smith and DJ Dale uh, competing together with uh, with Fidelar, uh, Phil Darius. Uh, I think the depth and quality of depth that you get across the defensive front, uh, I think, is significant. And again, losing Raekwon and Masika, there's a definite need for a big body uh, defensive line type, a defensive tackle type. And Tim Smith has day one uh, opportunity to step in and play that position. Position four, it's almost cheating. This is so easy to pick. But Carl Tucker, the tight end, an immediate starter at immediate me, at, at an immediate need position. Again, in the offseason sort of recruiting show, this is a prediction that we, that if we don't get one or two guys uh, in the recruiting or a signal that we're not going to get those guys in recruiting is that we land a big body tight end transfer from another program. Hello, Carl Tucker. And number five, uh, I'm going to go Will Anderson. Uh, it could be Will Anderson or it could be Chris Braswell. Uh, Braswell, I had to pick one, so I went with Will, An- Will Anderson. Outside linebacker position, again, another position of need. Uh, we've got uh, Terrell, uh, Terrell Lewis and Anthony Jennings that are moving on, that are leaving uh, the program. And who do we have as their backups? Ben Davis and Chris Allen, right? So I'm not mad at either of those guys, but can a guy like Will Anderson – uh, a five-star sort of all-world uh, projected type player. Can he come in and still snaps from Ben Davis and Christopher Allen? Yeah, he can, and he will. Maybe not as the starter, but as a quick off-the-bench rotation player. Uh, yes, absolutely. Those are my top five uh, players. Bryce Young, Ronald Williams, Tim Smith, Carl Tucker, and Will Anderson. Uh, immediate contributions as freshmen or as first-year players. Cheated a little bit with a JUCO and a, and a transfer, but hey, it's recruiting, so who are the top recruits coming in to contribute? That's uh, that's my top five. Now, if that's not good enough for you, and you want to say, all right, but there's other players that contribute as well, if you had to go more than five, where would you go? Man, you are in the right place, because not only do I have my top five, I have my second top five. And so if you take those guys off the list, who's my second top five? So I'm giving you a top ten. What's the second top five? that would contribute as freshmen. And all these guys are indeed true freshmen. I'm going to tell you who they are. Uh, Brian Branch, safety. Again, a, a need position. There's, there's a, right, talent and need have to come together. You can't just have an all-world talented guy, but be in a logjam and expect that that's the guy. You know, Mechie, right? Mechie was going to have a hard time starting at wide receiver at Alabama this past year because look at all who we had on the roster, right? And so when you look at players that are having an opportunity to be year one impact, it has to be a position of need. So I don't just say that to say it. I say it to sort of underscore it's talent and need meshing together to provide the opportunity for the player. So Brian Branch at safety is uh, is a need position. You know, we're losing Chai Carter. We're losing Jared Maiden, both seniors. I don't know were they fifth year seniors, but they were definitely seniors. And, uh, and I saw somewhere... And I got a kick out of this, and I'll probably say this a couple times as we're working through. But I, I, I saw, you know, someone saw rhetorically, it was an article. Uh, I need to write this stuff down so I can credit. But uh, it was an article, and someone sort of, I think it was Bama Hammer. And, and, and he made the point, I think it was Ron from, uh, from Bama Hammer. And he made the point that, you know, who's Alabama going to start at safety? It's, it's, um, it's battle and to be determined. 
And I thought, well, that's pretty funny because that's pretty accurate. Uh, Jordan Battle started some of this season, and so you could figure, yes, absolutely, he's going to come back. But who's next? Is it, It's probably Helms, right? But Helms didn't play a whole lot. And so if you think the starting safeties next year are battle and to be determined, is there an opportunity to our, for a top-flight incoming freshman to get reps at the position? I'm not saying start, but to get reps at the position, to be in the rotation, to contribute. Hell yeah, it is. And who's that player? It's Brian Branch. Some, some speculate he's the best player coming out of Texas. Uh, number two, Jace McClellan. And you think, well, wait a second. Why are you going to pick a running back? Alabama's going to have a deep running clock. Man, Trey Sanders. I wish I could count him. Watch out for Trey Sanders. But then Najee's come back, and you got B-Rob, and you've got uh, Keelan. Why would Jace make your top? Oh, wait a second. Jace is going to contribute at a kick returner position. We're going to split and groom, right? Because people are going to say, well, why don't you just put Waddle and let him do kicks and let him do uh, kick returns and punts. And we may well do that, and we may well see Waddle. But don't be surprised if we see... Uh, I think it's Jace, but it could be one of the freshman running backs come in and uh, and get some reps at the position. And again, we're splitting. That's one thing Saban has started to kind of do is is splitting returners, have one do kicks and one do punts. And it's not so, and, and it's a little bit of not all your eggs in one basket, right? So if a player goes down, the other guy can step over and field the other kick. But when practicing, because these players play other positions, when practicing the types of kick that they're going to catch, that they're going to field, they only have to spend half as much time because they're only they're only kicking they're only catching the kickoff or they're only catching the punt. So I only need to practice the trajectory and the and the angles and the ball spin on one kick versus the other. And so I do think we split responsibilities there, and it's an opportunity to groom uh, because I don't know that we keep Waddle beyond 2020. So Jace McKellen at a kick returner position, uh, being specific there. Number three, it's Chris Braswell. I mentioned Will Anderson or Chris Braswell in my top five. I got one of them in my top five. I've got the other one in my second top five. It's outside linebacker uh, and knee position, all the same things, right? Terrell Lewis, Amphrey Jennings. Can one of these guys not beat out, either either outright beat out and start, or at least rep, uh, contribute and get reps from Ben Davis and Chris Allen? I think both of these guys can do that. And so they're in the rotation absolutely in the rotation. Don't be surprised if, if we start seeing uh, some uh, some starts from some of these guys too as we get into the season. Uh, number four, man, how do you get nine players in before you mention a player like Drew Sanders? He's an inside linebacker. It is a need position, although you could reason that it's less of a need position because we've got two true freshmen coming back, plus Dylan Moses, plus Josh McMillan. I don't, I don't argue any of that. I think Drew is one of those. And that's where you get into the log, log jam. That's why he's nine instead of two. Uh, that's where you get into the log jam position. Drew Sanders, incredibly talented, but there's but the opportunity isn't there. And so does he sort of break through and and grab an opportunity? Yeah, he may, he may very well because he's that talented. You know what Drew Sanders may also do? And write this down, and this was in the, the bonus show. I'll, I'll stop referencing that. I know that's probably offending some guys, and I don't mean that, uh, gals. Uh, I don't mean it that way, Just, uh, uh, but there it is. And I've started this. I've seen one subtle reference to this, and it's something that, that we projected in December, that Drew Sanders may move to the tight end position. Whoa, because he's that damn talented. Uh, in high school, he's tight end and defensive end, play some linebacker, 
He's projected as a linebacker in, in college. But you know what Coach Saban does is he puts players where they can contribute and they can have a, a significant impact. And I think we've talked about T.J. Duckett at Michigan State. When Coach Saban was at Michigan State, T.J. Duckett was the number one linebacker recruit in the country. T.J. Duckett did not want to play linebacker. T.J. Duckett wanted to play running back, and he had the opportunity to play running back at Michigan State and played in the NFL, I think it was seven or nine years. With Derrick Henry, very similar. All Every program in the world wanted him as a defensive end. Alabama was willing to take him as a running back. And they, hey, look, he's either going to be a kick-ass running back or he, he'll end up at defensive end, right? And then, of course, you know, T.J. Duckett was NFL caliber, uh, I want to say first-round pick with the Falcons, uh, style running back, and Derrick Henry won the Heisman. And so if Drew Sanders is a kick-ass tight end, then you win. And if he's not as good as tight end as he is at defensive end, then you move him. You, you move him back. And we've seen Saban move players around. Trayvon Diggs is a great example. Probably going to be a first-round cornerback. He split time at corner, at safety, at uh, wide receiver. And so you move players around until they find their niche. And so day one, season one, does Drew Sanders spend some time at tight end? I don't know. Maybe so. So uh, he makes my top 10 for that reason. And number five, uh, number five in my second top five, number 10, is where, you know, the further down you go, there's more names that could, that could fill the bill. And so I'm going to take uh, Jaquez Robinson, uh, the cornerback, as, uh, as my second top five uh, year one contributors. And it's largely the same reason. Jaquez isn't a JUCO, but he was able to join. I think he was the only incoming freshman that was able to join the team in time to, to contribute to bowl game practices, right? And so it's amazing when a true freshman can come in and contribute and, and participate in spring drills. Well, this guy is, is that plus one. He was able to contribute in practicing and learning the program even just the acclimation of learning how Alabama practices. I mean, come on, that he had the opportunity to uh, to do that, the pace in practice, the speed in practice, the, how practices are broke down and managed and executed, very different from high school programs. And so he was able to do that even earlier than all of the other true freshmen. And so he's going to be incrementally that much farther along uh, in learning the systems and learning just how to be an Alabama football player. And so when we take a position of need, cornerback, especially when you take the two corners and the star, which we play a star at the corner. Um, and, and then you take a kid like Scooby Carter, who is deciding to leave again, that creates uh, plus, you know, the other turnovers in, uh, in the secondary, Jacquez Robinson starts to stack up with uh, a, a mix of opportunity and position of need. So that's my top 10 players, two top fives, as I like to say, that uh, recruits that have a chance to make year one contributions. Now, hmm, interesting. Notice seven of the 10 are defenders. Seven of the 10 year one impact contributing players are freshmen, uh, are, are defenders, because not all are, not all are freshmen. The key is that they will start to provide depth in the program and they can make contributions without being starters, that we're not going to be so reliant on them in the same way that we were with Harris and, and, and Lee last year, that they'll be able to bolster up behind and provide additional depth and, uh, and additional support that lacked 
from the, the 2019 team. So that's an interesting thing to watch there. I think this was a strong, this was intentionally a strong defensive recruiting class, and that is a position of need. And so as they start to come in and layer into the 2021 team uh, defense and 2022 defense, uh, really promise uh, to be that much better as we see these players come in, contribute, and make an impact. <clears throat> All right, we're going to move to topic five. Um, I think this was, I think this is an interesting topic. I am by no means going to be an expert on it. I just think it's pretty darn interesting. And uh, so we'll hit it pretty quick. But changes in recruiting, especially as we loosen up, and I say we, the NCAA, loosens up transfer rules. And so there's already, you know, graduate transfers. There's the portal, which is really a, hey, look at me. I'm not happy. Uh, I want to go somewhere else. Uh, and you can sort of be recruited through the portal. And then there's this, this thought of uh, transfer once in your career without having to sit out. And so it, it sort of frees up movement within players. I think it's interesting. I'm for the rights of, of players. Um, I think there is some significance to a commitment and sticking to a commitment and sticking it out and not, not running or leaving at the first sign of there's a balance, right? And again, two things can be true at once. I think sometimes you have to stick things out, but I'm not so locked into that logic to to punitively say players shouldn't transfer. And so there's a balance between when is it right to transfer versus when is it when am I sticking a situation out? Um, and that might be a little bit different for everyone. And I think in our day-to-day lives as adults, we, we probably see that. When do I need to cut bait on this? Am I quitting? Or am I moving on? And those are two different things, I think. And so this, and you're going to have some players that are going to be intelligent enough. Jalen Hurts moved on, right? Um, Dalen Charlotte quit. Scooby Carter quit. Antonio Inflano quit. The AB Enoma quit. Scott Lashley is moving on. There's a difference. So, and it's subtle and it's circumstantial, but there's a difference. And so this increased movement, flexibility, flexibility, fluidity, you're going to have more of both. You're going to have more players that are going to move on and you're going to have more players that are just going to quit. And what that's going to, here's what that's going to do. It's the law of unintentional consequences, right? You're going to have more players that just quit and that's going to hurt more of the weaker programs than it will more of the stronger programs. You're going to have players that are going to move on. And guess what? That's going to hurt more of the lesser programs than it will the greater programs or or the, the stronger programs. What you do is with more fluidity, more opportunity, you have more recruiting that's going to go on. And there should be no surprise that the programs that are good at recruiting are going to be good at recruiting. And so if you're opening up opportunities for players to, to move and transfer, then who's going to have success getting those players to their programs? The programs that can recruit. I mean, look, pretty girls are still going to get dates, right? It doesn't matter what the rules of dating are. The pretty girls are going to get the dates. The programs that can recruit, the programs that have something to offer, they're going to be the pl- they're going to be the programs that get the players. Look at Carl Tucker; he has an opportunity to stay at North Carolina, 
Or, damn, I can go to Alabama and potentially win a national title. We did pretty well with Jacob Coker in that, in that position and other players as well. And so the more freedom, the more flexibility, it just creates another avenue, another portal, no pun intended, for recruiting to take place and the coaches and the teams and the programs that can recruit are going to benefit by that. And so let's think about this, you know, almost from a, from a breakdown. So graduate transfers are the equivalent of, of, you know, free agency, one year rentals. Carl Tucker would fit in this category. Jacob Coker fit in this category. Uh, Joe Burrow, uh, to some extent, uh, at LSU kind of fit in this category, although he played there twice. It's almost like, you know, the free agency with one year left on his contract, you know, his career is almost over. Literally, that's the case here because it's, you know, four years of eligibility. Do I want to stay where I'm at? I've already graduated. I've been diligent, which that speaks to something, right? You have graduated. That means there's a certain level of, I want to say character. That's probably not the right word, but directionally it's right. Um, fortitude, stick to accomplishment. Uh, so there's a caliber of, of individual, call it that. And, and that becomes a fertile market, right? That becomes the type of player you want to add to your team. A player that's been able to accomplish something that wants to come to your program to accomplish more on the field. And so you take a Carl Tucker who could have stayed at North Carolina, probably been happy there. I don't know that he was unhappy there. It's where he chose. It's a good, it's a great school. He could take grad, grad classes at, at North Carolina and can, and, and play on their program. And, and Mac Brown's a good coach and, and they're trending in the right direction. And so that'd be a great opportunity. Or he could say, you know what? I have one turn at this. I'm going to take a flyer, go to Alabama, see if I can win a national title. And so you're going to have players like that that are going to, you know, line up at those programs and those programs will have a chance to win. And so they're, you know, the grad transfers, those programs are going to win. Uh, the transfer portal is, is really, you know, a communication vehicle and who benefits by that? Those that can recruit well, those that can communicate well are going to, are going to perform well in a communication vehicle. So we've already sort of, you know, talked about that. And then the transfer wants, uh, look, this is an opportunity to develop somewhere else and we can come get you. <clears throat> it becomes a minor league system. It really does. And so look, you're at the, you're the 25th, 26th, 27th recruit and we don't have room for you. We can gray shirt you, but, um, and don't think this conversation won't happen. Look, go to this other program kick ass over there and we'll come get you. And don't think that, don't think that conversation won't be had and don't think intentionally or unintentional that that's how it'll play out. It, it's, it's a runway for you to go develop somewhere else and then end up at the program you want to end up at. Think about it in terms of just college kids, right? You go to the neighborhood JUCO, you go to the neighborhood community college to get some credits and then you transfer as a sophomore or junior to get enough credits to graduate from the program you want to graduate from, from the degree you want to hold. And so I'm going to go, I mean, shit, think about just Tuscaloosa, right? I'm going to go to uh, Shelton State, get my associate's degree, then I'm going to transfer to Alabama, and I'm going to graduate from Alabama. I'm going to be an Alabama graduate. But I did all my prereq stuff at Shelton State. The piece of paper doesn't any different. 
And so that's what's going to happen when you think about the transfer portal, the transfer once uh, and, and maintain. So I'm going to go somewhere. I'm going to I'm going to develop. I'm going to demonstrate because I can get on the field early. I'm going to demonstrate the ability to contribute and then I'm going to go finish somewhere else. And, and I can I can time up where I go with knowing the offense that they've that they play in tape of me playing in a similar offense and I know that's a position of need because I can look at their roster as well as anybody else and so you're going to get a lot of that type of transfers you're also going to get the other end of that is dumping players you're going to have players that and so one is upward mobile and one is downward mobile and this I don't mean this ugly towards any players there's just a reality of it it's the nature of the game but you go to the top flight program and you just never pan out well you have the opportunity to stay at that program and consume one of their scholarships. Uh, some programs will not renew. A lot of programs do if you stay and do what you're supposed to do. They'll continue to renew. A little bit of gray area, uh, but most programs, if you stay and you're committed and you do what you're supposed to do, they'll renew your scholarship. With this opportunity, it gives the, that, that coaching staff an opportunity to say, you know, we're not, we're not going to drop you. We're not going to dump you. But this, but historically, where we've not had an opportunity for you to fluidly move in another direction, now we have this opportunity for you to fluidly move in, the, in this new direction. And so who does that benefit, right? If you have the lower tier programs, do you think they're gaining better players or are they losing their best players? And then think of the top tier programs. Are they losing their best players? Are they gaining players in positions of need? There's always exceptions to the rules, but man, gravity, gravity, right? This is gravity. Your better players are going to move up. They're the hot air moving up, and the players that don't pan out, the cold air moving down. That's just how that's going to play out. And look, look, look at our own experience as Alabama fans. Jacob Coker, Jacob Coker, Landon Dickerson, Garrett Dieter. Colin Peak. These are players that have transferred in that have elevated the program. Maurice Smith might be the only player that transferred out that Alabama could have used. 2007, January 2017 against Michigan. Deshaun Watson moving the ball up and down the field. Damn it, if we couldn't have used another cornerback. Maurice Smith. And so had he not gone to Georgia, he might not have started as many games in 2016 season at Alabama as he did at Georgia, but damn it, he would have probably won a national title. Uh, and so that, you could argue, is the one player that's hurt us transferring out. Dalen Charlotte, did he hurt him or did he, did he hurt Alabama more? He hurt himself more. And, and there's any number of players that have transferred out that we could put in that, in that same uh, category. Uh, Alan Kamara. That, he's a great one, right? Everyone says, Alan Kamara graduated from Tennessee. Well, I don't know if he graduated, but did he go to Tennessee? Yeah, he did. He also went to Alabama. Now, he earned more player time at Tennessee than he did at Alabama. And so did he help himself? Yeah, probably. Did he hurt Alabama? Eh, I don't know that he hurt Alabama. Uh, Scott Lashley is going to be in that, in that position. He's leaving to go to Mississippi State. Is he helping himself? Yeah, he probably starts there this year. Is he hurting Alabama? I don't know. We're only replacing one lineman. He wasn't going to be the starter, but he might have been in the two deep. So, yeah, maybe incrementally, maybe a little bit. Are we going to miss him? 
not as much Mississippi State will benefit from him. And so that's a situation where he's going to get playing time. He's not make a he's not going to make a big difference on you know the outcome of Mississippi State. Not at not at the levels that matter. Uh, but does it give him an opportunity to start and show his wares for the NFL? Absolutely. And so does that hurt Alabama? Mm, not as much. Not not so much. Does it help him as an individual? Yeah. So that's why I think that that's a good use of moving on versus, you know, other players. There's a, a, a Tuscaloosa News does this. This topic's taken longer than I thought, but it's but it's compelling to me. Uh, hopefully you're enjoying it as well. There's an article that Tuscaloosa News does, and I go through after every game and read, you know, most of the stuff that they put out. Uh, just to round out my perspective, but one article that they put out that it's 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 um it's like a guilty pleasure article, and it and it says you know it's it's basically players that transferred from Alabama, how do they fare this week? And uh, and so like I said, sort of a guilty pleasure. I like to go in and look at players they transferred out. How did they do this week? Sometimes there's players on that list that I just forgot about. Like oh man, I forgot about so and so. And, um, and I always sort of track, how do they do? How are they doing? And it is amazing how poorly those players do. I don't mean that ugly, but it just, you know, the, the didn't play, the did not start, the one catch for 12 yards. And, and, and I'm not picking on Dalen Charlotte. I just, but to me, he sort of embodies this. Dalen Charlotte, had he played at Alabama, we would all know his name. There's a lot of people on this podcast that don't remember him. He wore number four. He played as a freshman, put up pretty good numbers, really showed some capability. This is a guy, he's on the comp. Man, he's going to do well. He transferred after his freshman year, went to Kansas, had to sit out a year. They've gone through some coaching transition. Les Miles, who hasn't seen a ball, he doesn't want to run, is now the head coach going into his second year. And, and Dalen's had games where he's had no catches, one catches, two catch. I think he had a four-catch game uh, and, and, you know, 20 catches for the season. And he's a player that's become lost because he wasn't a day-one immediate breakout all-star at Alabama, so he didn't want to leave. He didn't want to stay, and he's hurt himself. Didn't hurt his Alabama as much, although we would have loved to have had him. Didn't hurt us, hurt us as much as it hurt him. And I don't know if he's a junior or senior in terms of fifth-year eligibility. Um, he ain't going to be drafted. And had he stayed at Alabama, he would have an opportunity to compete, potentially be drafted, certainly name recognition. His numbers would have been uh, so much better. He would have won a national title in his, in his uh, collegiate career and would have had um, enough name brand associated with him that he would have, if not drafted, would have gotten um, – opportunities and un, undrafted free agent. So yes, I feel strongly uh, about this. Look, pretty girls are still going to get dates. That's what this boils down to. The law of un, unintentional consequences. It's going to hurt the people you're trying to help. That's what it boils down to. All right. For the by and large, for the by and large, right? It's going to help some people, no doubt. It's going to hurt some. It's going to hurt some as well. All right. So a couple more topics. We're going to roll through this. Uh, returns uh, and departures. And so, um, Trying to catch up on my note. Trying to talk and read my note at the same time. I'm doing both poorly. Uh, so <clears throat> we've got, I, you know, look, I think, and I'm talking about guys leaving primarily for the NFL. We'll talk about some transfers as well. 
mostly guys, you know, leaving for the NFL. I think it worked out really well for Alabama. It could have gone significantly uh, worse in terms of the number of players leaving. I'm not talking about seniors that that are out of eligibility. We're talking about players with remaining eligibility. I think there were uh, – here's the note that I was struggling to read. Uh, it worked out well for Alabama. There's only surprises or the only surprises were in the tide's favor. And uh, and I think that's the right way of reading it. So let's, let's kind of go through, look at those who left versus those who didn't. Now, there's some players who left who I really wish had stayed, but I still think they made the right decision, the right interpersonal decision for them, right? And so, again, more than one thing being true at once. Tua, uh, he left. I think that's the right decision. Uh, he's had uh, three uh, significant injuries. He's had the, uh, the surgery, the ankle surgery on both ankles, and then, of course, the hip. We'll give the broken nose a, a pass, right? Uh, he's had three significant injuries, and although he is just generationally talented and so fun to watch, and I'd love to see more of him on the field for Alabama, it was the right decision for him to leave. In in you know March, it's you know it's March the first now, and the NFL draft is coming up on on within sixty days. He is going to sign a piece of paper that will financially set him free for the rest of his life. Now think about that for a minute. How many people <laughs> within the sound of my voice would make that same decision? Hand raised, okay, right? And so if I had the opportunity to be drafted out of my workplace and sign a piece of paper that um, is going to guarantee financial security for me and my family for the rest of my days, Done and done. Where do I sign? Who's got that piece of paper? Um, so I think that's the right decision. If he were to come back and get injured at Alabama, it would just be such a heartbreaker. Uh, I, I would feel bad. We did a, I know I said I wouldn't have done minutes bonus shows, but the, the after the Mississippi State game, um, I sat down, I watched that game. I said, how about I just do a little bonus pod uh, for grins of it after this game? And when he got hurt and I paused the TV and just like, just, like this is just just hurts because uh, you worry about his career. You worry about there's a lot of things you worry about, and um, and so I got on and I ended up doing you know that that podcast. And there were actually people reached out and like, man, that was therapeutic. Thank you for doing that. And um, and I thought, man, what hurt me the most was not that we wouldn't get to see him play anymore this season, but in the moment. Now, I mean, he's in rehab. We know more now than we did then. In the moment it was legitimate concern that he might not play again. And that just hurt in a way that that um, was surprising and, and just in real. And so you think, man, dude, I love you. I want you to come back. I want to see you play more, but I want to see you taken care of. And so Tua, go get paid, buddy. Go get paid. Uh, Jerry Judy, man, I've said this on the podcast. Jerry Judy was never not going to be a favorite player. Um, my dad's name is Jerry and my mom, my late mom, uh, her name is Judy. And so, so my parents were Jerry and Judy and for a player to come along this name, Jerry, Judy, man, he could be the scrub scrub and he's still going to be a favorite for me. Uh, the fact that he was one of the most talented receivers to come through the university, that's just awesome. Uh, on top of it all. Right. And so. Would I love to see him come back? Look, I'd love to see all these guys come back. That's a given, right? There's none of these guys I don't want to see play for Alabama again. I just recognize 
where they are in their career development and the opportunity they have uh, ahead of them, what should they do? And so Jerry Judy is probably one of the best wide receivers at his position. Uh, he has the opportunity to be the top receiver, the top one of the top two receivers taken in the draft. You go. That's a top 10 pick. Um, Jedrick Wills, there's a theme to this, man. I'm going to just tell you straight up. Jedrick Wills, everything I'm reading is that he is positioned to potentially be the top lineman in the draft. You go. That's a top 10, top 8 position in the draft. You sign a piece of paper, you're financially set for the rest of your days. You do that. Henry Ruggs is arguably the fastest at his position. There are people that say he's he should be included in the conversation with Jerry Judy and C.D. Uh, Lamb as the top receiver taken off the off the board. And so you go. If you're one of the tops at your position and you can be a top, now the receiver draft is a little deeper. There's going to be a little bit of pushback there, but you can be drafted in the first round, in the first 20 picks of the first round. You're going to sign a piece of paper. There's a theme <laughs> that sets you up for life. You do it. And so Henry Ruggs has the opportunity to do that. Xavier McKinney, top player at his position in the draft. You go. Terrell Lewis, now, he's not the top player at his position, but he has spent a significant amount of time injured uh, during his career. And so if he's at a point where he's as healthy as he has been over the last couple of years and is still potentially projected late first, early second, I think you go. I think you go, you 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 get paid. And um I like Terrell Lewis. I don't dis I don't like him less than any of the other players that I've mentioned, but if I looked at, you know, Tua, potentially one of the best quarterbacks, Jerry Judy, potentially probably the best wide receiver. Jedrick may be the best offensive lineman in the draft. Henry Ruggs is in the discussion for one of the top wide receivers probably the fastest player in the draft and is in the top two or three top wide receivers of the draft. Uh, Xavier McKinney, clearly the top safety in the draft. Terrell Lewis is like, which one of these is not like the other? It's Terrell Lewis. He's not the best defensive end in the draft. Uh, but does he have the opportunity, is as healthy as he's been, to go get paid? Yes, he does. And so I think Terrell Lewis goes for that reason. Um, <clears throat> so now let's talk about players that could have gone and decided not to. And what do I think about this? Um, Alex Leatherwood decided to come back. I'm going to tell you, he might be one of the bigger surprises. Uh, there's a couple guys that maybe do surprise me, but, but Alex Leatherwood coming back um, is, is one of the one or two top surprises of a player that could have left that decided to come back. It, it's, you know, players are very competitive. And if Alex is sitting there saying, what do you mean? Jedrick may be the first off the off the board at, at an offensive lineman, then I need to go too. Because I think I'm at least as good as he is. And so Alex Leatherwood very easily could have made that decision. He elected to come back, uh, which really bodes well for the offensive line, Alabama's offensive line. Devonta Smith uh, decided to come back. I think that's the right decision for Devonta. I think it's a deep wide receiver draft, and his size would have been used against him. He can come back to Alabama, have an outstanding season, 
he has the opportunity to be the most decorated stat-wise to be the best wide receiver. Uh, it'll take an outstanding season, but he could be the all-time leader on multiple top-shelf stats after this season, which would position him well in next year's draft. And guess what? Next year's wide receiver draft doesn't project <clears throat> nearly as deep. So I think it's the right decision for Devonta to come back. Uh, Landon Dickerson, you may wonder, and, and I'll mention, mention two names because I, I have the same conversation on both of, both of them, Landon Dickerson and Deontay Brown. Now, you could say, why the hell are they on your list? They weren't going to go. Well, they were juniors that could have, and there was some discussion that they might, and in other years, they would have gone. In other years, Mac Brown, right, or Mac Wilson. Mac Wilson shouldn't have gone last year. And there was some discussion that he might come back and should he or should he not. You know, Landon Dickerson and Deontay Brown are kind of in that category. Deontay Thompson probably is not dissimilar. They went in the fourth, fifth round. Mac in the fifth. Uh, Thompson, I think, was fourth. With Landon Dickerson and Deontay Brown would have been a fourth or fourth, fourth or fifth round pick. So th there's a proxy for, for these two guys. They would have thought that they could have gone earlier, that they should have gone earlier. You could reason that Mac Brown, Mac Wilson, damn, I keep saying Brown, that Mac Wilson played above his draft position. He sure did. But that's not going to affect him getting paid, at least not to his second contract. Deontay Thompson, you can argue that he played above his draft position. Okay, great. That just means it's a bigger discount for the pro team. Um, and so those are guys, and I think Saban's philosophy is pretty right. Come back unless you're going to get that top paycheck because what they're offering you will be there next year. And so Landon and Deontay are players without that sort of right-minded thought process, they would have left in other years. And so the fact that they came back, I think is the right decision. Uh, Najee Harris, uh, we talk about him in the other podcast, probably one of the bigger surprises, especially because of his position. And here's the conflict. If I were Najee, I, I would be pulling out my dreads because the conflict on this on this position is is such that it's a it's, you're at a running back position which has the shortest shelf life. Um, it's a deep and and so for that reason you should go. It's a deep NFL draft at the running back position. For that reason, mm, I don't know how do I stack up. I had an outstanding season that that I may not be able to replicate because of other players coming on the team next year. And so you leave ahead of that. And then you also know because it's a deep NFL draft and it's a position that is not valued, is is not valued as highly, that teams look to draft running backs late, that um, that, that may make you decide to come back and and hope that next year's draft isn't as deep. I mean DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, Claude Edwards, uh, Hilaire, J.K. Dobbins, uh, Cam Akers, Zach Moss. Those are some running backs that, that you know, what, six? That may all go ahead of, of Najee, uh, where Najee would have gone. He, and, and even if he went middle of the pack, he's, you know, four, five, you know, six uh, running backs. And so where does the, I don't know, let's think about this. When the draft comes up, now I watch the draft, I love the draft. Where how far into the draft before you get to the fourth running back? I don't know. 
how far into the draft before you get to the fifth running back? It may be surprisingly down in the draft. It may be, I would say, I would project second round, middle second round. And so do you, you know, middle second round, do you come back and potentially get yourself into the first round, even just because now the first running back, probably I'd say DeAndre Swift, the first running back will go in the first round. The fourth running back will go in the second round. And when you get down to six or seven, third or fourth round. And so if Najee would go and, and draft at the end of this line, that's a late third, early fourth. And so maybe those guys aren't there next year. And maybe he's the top back chosen next year and he goes in the first or, or at worst, you know, sort of the second. And so I think that's sort of the thought process that, that he went through and led him to uh, elect him to stay. I'm super ecstatic that he came back. I think he has an opportunity this next season uh, to really show out. Uh, I think the competition in the room is going to be stupid, stupid, incredible. Uh, and I, Trey Sanders, Trey Sanders, Trey Sanders. And I think Najee and Trey are going to be the top two guys. They're going to battle one another. They're going to make, they're, they're going to make each other better. And I'll say this, Najee Harris will be a better running back in 2020 than he was in 2019, but his numbers may not show it. So there you go. Um, I said I wasn't going to talk about uh, you know transfers, but I'm going to talk about transfers just for a minute. Uh, Scott Lashley, I've kind of said what I have to say about uh, Lashley. I remember, this is funny, I remember when uh, the night of signing class, when he signed, uh, Tommy and I were projecting who, who were we most excited about, who's going to, you know, day one contributor. And, and over the course of their career, uh, who was I excited about? And I think he asked offensive line. And I said, Scott Lashley. I'm really excited about Scott Lashley. And Tommy goes, oh, that's interesting that you would pick Scott Lashley over Jonah Williams. I said, well, I'm happy about Jonah Williams. You know, he's a five-star coming in from from uh, from Folsom, California. I'm excited about him too. And what's interesting is Jonah went on to be a three-year player, uh, went into the NFL. Scott Lashley, who I think is obviously not equally as talented, but very talented, has been in the rotation some, but really just hasn't gotten his footing under him. Uh, this year when he would have an opportunity uh, as a fifth-year guy to do that, he's basically saying, I'm going to transfer out and see if I can be a definitive starter somewhere else versus a rotational guy to Alabama. I think that's the right decision for him, uh, and I wish him uh, I wish him well. You know, we just went down the road to Mississippi State. We're going to get to get to play against him. Obviously, I don't want him to have an outstanding day that day, but uh, overall, I hope he does well uh, with the bullies. Jerome Ford transferring out. I think that's a writing on the wall situation. You know, he actually did start one game this year due to some suspensions and promptly you know coughed up the ball. Um, I'm not mad at him for that. It's just the reality of it. Uh, I think the writing on the wall with the recruits coming in and Najee coming back and B-Rob will find out what's going on with him and, and Trey Sanders and all that stuff. I think he just saw the writing on the wall and said, I'm going to transfer out where I can have an opportunity to play for a couple seasons and uh, we'll go from there. So I wish him well. There's always players at those positions that do that. So it's not a surprise. And it's Scooby Carter. Holy shit, dude, what are you doing? He needs to sit down and just have an adult conversation with someone my understanding is he's not doing what he needs to do at Alabama. And that's part of the reason I don't think there's any love loss on the coaching staff that he may transfer. It's the second time in the transfer portal ship still is a, is a true freshman. So I think at this point you let him go. If he gets his act right, he's talented enough to, you know, he's talented enough to have a good career somewhere, but if he's not going to get his act right, if he's, if, if he's, if he's running from 
discipline and authority and following the rules here, then it's, it's, it'll be hard to go somewhere else where that doesn't exist and, and be successful. Um, and so that's my thought on that. Reminds me of Travell Dixon. Everybody remember Travell Dixon shit. That was a, that was a time ago. Uh, but he was a, he was a JUCO that came in a recruiting class. It was probably six years ago. He was really tall, but he was the number one JUCO cornerback. And it was damn it as a position of need at the time. And he was going to just be a day one starter. And he left after spring practice because he just couldn't cut it. And um, if, if you don't know who he is, then that's sort of the example of what I'm saying, right? If he, he couldn't handle the discipline at Alabama and then, you know, for all his talent, um, he never made it anywhere else either. So that's, that's what I have to say about that. Now, so this is a fun topic. I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to move on to topic seven. We're going to draft back the departing players and we're going to limit, because this is going open-ended, we're going to limit it to uh, the 10 players that were invited to the combine. So we're not going to go to these transfers and, and uh, 11 you know, other directions. We're going to limit it to the 10 players that were taken in the combine. And we're going to kind of do this rapid fire. And I guarantee you, my first player is going to surprise you until I explain it. First player, if, uh, if I could draft back the return. Now, this is not senior, junior. This is not departing early. This is just the 10 players. Some of these are seniors. They couldn't come back. Some of these are players that have made the decision to leave early. Uh, this is just a fun thought exercise that helps us think through the roster, think through the players, think through evaluating players differently than just who wins the headlines uh, and, and where their talent and opportunity would help the 2020 team. And, and again, some of these some of these were seniors. They couldn't have come back, but, uh, but just thinking it through. It's a fun thought exercise that's um, – kill a couple of minutes um, with you guys and sharing some football thought. So limited to the top 10 players are the 10 players who were included in the combine. So that puts a box around it. And, and, uh, and I guarantee there's a surprise with enough preamble. Number one, Xavier McKinney. If I could draft back any of the players that were leaving this year's team to come back in 2020, it'd be Xavier McKinney. We are losing four of the top six in our dime package, uh, Alabama is. And he's the best safety in the draft. So anytime you have the best safety in the NFL draft, tell me that's not going to help your, your defense and your secondary. And, it, he, and it's a position with an unknown starter. I mentioned uh, earlier that there's an article where they said, you know, who are the starting safeties? Jordan Battle and To Be Determined. Well, <laughs> Xavier McKinney would fit the bill, right? So Xavier McKinney... Number one in that position, I know that's a surprise. Uh, number two is Jerry Judy. Are you kidding me? The talent's off the charts. Uh, that is that is more a decision on talent than it is need because I think Alabama's wide receivers are going to be good in 2020. But shit, you're going to tell me I have Jerry Judy, and I'm going to tell you my offense is better than it was. Uh, number three, I'm going to go Trayvon Diggs. Not dissimilar. Uh, we are Alabama's targeting a JUCO to replace him. And so that tells me the coaching staff views it as a position of immediate need. And so read, you know, if someone's trying to tell you something, listen to them. When the coaching staff goes and when Nick Saban goes and gets a JUCO, he's telling you something. He's telling you it's a position of need. You can list all of the former recruits on the team that you want to. If coach is telling you something, listen. When he's going to get a JUCO, listen. We need 
the the team needs look at Scooby Carr. Shit, we don't we don't the player the player that you would list, we don't even know if he's gonna be on the team. And so coaches talking, listen, it's a position of need. And so if you can cap Trayvon Diggs back, who's gonna be a, a well-respected potential first rounder cornerback position, don't tell me that's not gonna help uh, help your team. Number four, Shy Carter. We've talked about secondary, four of six players gone. You're going to give you the opportunity to, to have one of the most versatile uh, cornerback, star, safety of the four of the six players or four of the six positions that we're losing. He can play all four of them. And so give me Shy Carter. Uh, I'm going to tell you this about Shy Carter. There was uh, there have been articles. I, everyone's in the combine, and so they're all being interviewed and, and talking shit. And some of the players are specifically – you know, sort of, um, I don't know if they're specifically mad at Golden or if they're specifically just talking about just there was a lack of communication on on the secondary. And I've heard a couple of players sort of um, go with that message. Did you hear what Shy Carter said when he was asked that question? He said, no, I view it as my fault. It's no one's fault. If the, if If it's no one's fault but mine. If that was an issue, then I view it as my fault being one of the leaders on the team. Shit, dude, I want you back. If that that type of accountability, that type of man, if I were drafting, I would pick that dude up. And it might not be until the fourth or fifth round because because I think he's you know I think he's going to fit in a little ladder, little layer. But I'm telling you, his versatility, what he can do, uh, play any of the secondary positions. He can play his special teams. This is the roster filler guy, and this is the type of guy that has an eight-year NFL career because he can do so many things. He can play all special teams. He can play all four or six play uh, positions in the in the secondary. He can do so much that you pick this guy on a team and, and you keep him around. And so that's my Shark Carter. If I'm drafting him back to the 2020 team, he's my fourth uh, in, in sequence. He's my fourth pick because I just think he brings that much to a position uh, of, of need that Alabama is going to have in 2020. Uh, number five is Henry Ruggs. I mean, just his speed, takes the lid off of a defense, opens up everything underneath. Other receivers are able to have success because of the double coverage and the over-the-top over coverage that Ruggs demands. It almost forces a defense to play uh, a sort of a Tampa 2 or cover 2, uh, or a cover one, you know, lean into his, uh, to Ruggs' side. And so you can, it, it makes it easier to sort of forecast what the defense is doing when you have such a danger, dangerous speed speedster on the outside. So that's Henry Ruggs, number five. I get to number six before I say Tua. And I know that's, that's, that's like blasphemous, but here's my question. Here's my question. Knowing what we know now with Tua's injury, and not knowing what we don't know now because of Tua's injury. Ask yourself this question. If I'm Alabama or if I'm an NFL team, knowing what we know, not knowing what we don't know, what does Tua give me in year one? A one-year tour, what do I get? In Alabama, you may not get a lot. Uh, in the NFL team, you got a guy that's going to be your quarterback of the future dichotomy difference there i love the kid don't get me wrong of course he would add in the locker room in the in the meeting room all of those things but in terms of on the field performance what do you get <clears throat> not as much as you want 
uh, not as much as is you you emotionally want to see out of him because we all love the kid, and so that's why he falls uh, a little further for me in in the draft. Uh, number seven, Jedrick Wells. Look, he's going to be one of the top players at the position. I just don't think the need on this year's uh, team is uh, is would warrant him being any higher than seven. Uh, number eight, uh, Terrell Lewis. Uh, one healthy season. I'd love to have him back with sort of unlimited uh, potential, um, fully healthy. I think I think that would be great, but there's a risk factor there. You don't know if that's, you know, is he going to be um, as healthy? Although he too it represents a position of need this next season. Uh, Anthony Jennings is number nine. He's as steady as you want to go at a position where we're going to have some need. His upside, I don't know. But uh, uh, it's definitely a player that I think would add depth uh, to a position. And the number 10 out of the 10, I would go Raekwon. And, dude, this was before some of his most recent interview stuff where he just almost acknowledged, I mean, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but almost acknowledging not giving his all this last season. And this was after acknowledging the year before that he didn't give his all and that he was going to get his act together uh, for a senior season. And that's why he came back for a senior season. And so – his junior and senior season, I think, hurt his stat, hurt his stock more than they helped. Um, and for that reason, I would put him 10 of 10. And I would say this, and this is ugly, and I don't mean it. I'm just being real. If I were an NFL GM, um, I wouldn't pick him. Um, and I don't say that often about our guys. Uh, I, there's a part of me that's if I were a GM, I would be the Washington Redskins because I'd have 12 Alabama guys on my roster. And uh, Raycon wouldn't be one of them. All right, so let's move. Oh, uh, where's my papers? So that was seven. So I got eight. <clears throat> All right, eight. Eight is a topic that I teased by not telling you what the topic is. And as soon as I say the topic, it's just let's just have a moment of recognition for this, and then let's move on. Uh, but but topic eight. Damn it! Can you believe that 2020 is going to be Saban's 14th year at Alabama? That's just insane. For all the short timer talk. Uh, for all the sort of spite-filled jealousy that he's going to leave you to, here he is going into his 14th season and likely not his last. Um, you know, we don't know. I we don't know when it's going to end. But I'm. But this is just. I'm going to be cheesy, sort of philosophical. But damn it, 14 years, man, that is an era of your life and uh, of our lives. And, um, and, and that is just amazing. And I'm glad that we've all gotten to, as Alabama fans experience it, we should just enjoy the hell out of it. And, uh, uh, but that's just, it's just amazing that it's been 14 years. And for all the talk, you know, even with Scott Cochran leaving, it just revamps all the talk and it just, it just sounds more silly. Every one day it's going to be right, but just every time you hear it, it just sounds more silly than the last. But is this the end of the year? Is this the end of Saban? Is this the end of Alabama? Is this the end of, holy shit, are you kidding me? They've been writing that shit, you know, for 14 years. And, you know, he's going to leave. He's going to leave. He's going to leave. You know what? A stopped clock is right twice a day. Now, kids, I'm not talking about the digital because you can't see the number. I'm talking about the old school with the arms. Um, a stopped clock is right twice a day. So Saban is going to leave. Does that mean all of the talk about He's going to leave you too. No, that doesn't make that true. Will it be written that way? Oh, hell yeah. When he leaves, oh, it's the end of the era, saving this, and he's dumping Alabama and all that, all those bullshit headlines, they will be written and they won't be true. Um, and so 
I just think, man, holy wows, 14 seasons. That's amazing. I know it's been 13. It's coming into the 14th. That's just amazing what he's done, what he's built, what he's accomplished. And just as Alabama fans, the good times that we've had, <sighs> Dino Mike. That was unplanned. And if you get it, I hope you're laughing. Uh, <laughs> that was that was off the cuff, man. All right. Uh, topic nine. What's next for the team? There was, uh, in, in fact, just this last week, so I'm glad I didn't record uh, last week because I was going to try to speculate, uh, but it came out. This was the sort of the news of the week that uh, uh, spring practice is going to start uh, March the 13th. <clears throat> now, <laughs> I'm not superstitious, um, but damn it, for all the injuries we've had during practice, why do you have to start practice on Friday the 13th? I don't understand that. Why would you do that? Uh, but at any rate, practice uh, spring practice is going to start uh, Friday, March, uh, March the 13th, which, holy shit, is just coming up here in just a couple of weeks. Uh, A-Day is going to be April the 18th uh, with all of the renovation and construction and, and whatnot uh, at the stadium. It's going to be incredibly limited seat, seating. And so I don't know that I go – I haven't been to A-Day in a long time. And so I'd, with the limited seating, I don't know I'm going to try to fight that. But, hey, if there's a group uh, of podcast fans that are going that just want to spend some time in Tuscaloosa, uh, you know, hitting some of the bars and, and talking football and just, you know, cutting it up and – let me know, man, because <laughs> I might want to participate in that. But um, uh, but at any rate, uh, I think spring practice, I think spring break uh, is the 13th through the 20th. I think, man, they didn't do this when I was a kid but or when I was a student, but I think they get Friday through the next Friday. And so part of when spring practice overlaps with spring break, I don't, I don't know how the math on that's going to work, but they have um, what's – what is tantamount to a month to get, uh, and in fact, just over a month, almost, shit, almost five weeks, uh, March 13 to April 18, uh, they have all of that time to get in 15 practices, uh, inclusive of a day being one of the practices, and then I think there's two other scrimmages that are inclusive. Those will come on the the preceding Saturdays. So calendar math in my head, um, the 11th and the 4th of April. Uh, will probably be scrimmage days. And so you've gotten down to 12 practices <clears throat> that'll fill the gaps between March 13th. So yeah, spring break is certainly in there. It's going to be exciting, man. There's going to be a lot of stuff to watch and speculate over and talk about. You know, we're going to look for a fifth lineman. Uh, how do we do that? There's going to be reports every day of people moving. Uh, I, look, I'm going to tell you, I think it's Landon Dickinson, Dickerson moving to right tackle. And I think it's uh, Dallincourt moving to center. But there's going to be all sorts of shovel and dance uh, across the offensive line. So that'll be uh, interesting to see. And in fact, I said that wrong. I think it's Evan Neal that's going to move to right tackle. And Landon Nickerson will move to uh, the left guard. And Dallincourt will move to center. Nonetheless, there's going to be a shuffle of existing players, you know, plus the one. But there's going to be a lot of movement. And everyone's going to write breathlessly about wholesale changes across the offensive line. Uh, but uh, there'll be a couple of shifts all over the secondary. Is going to be interesting to see. Uh, I think the third and fourth wide receivers will be fun to watch. Uh, who wins those positions? You know, there's 13 freshmen and or signees because the JUCO and uh, the transfer. Uh, there's 13 new players that are enrolled participating in spring drills. That's going to be hella fun to watch. And then the inside linebackers, inside and out, because inside it's the returning two freshmen. 
and the outside, um, they're gone, uh, Terrell and Anthony. So you could reason that there's mystery and intrigue across all four of the linebacker positions. Uh, and then, you know, you go from there, other positions, quarterback, and defensive front, defensive ends. I mean, shit, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff to watch. And so we will probably, I will probably release a number of during the course of spring practice, here's what I'm thinking today. Here's what I'm thinking now. Here's what I'm thinking after a couple of practices. And so, man, not to beat the drum on the bonus stuff, but I'm telling you there's bonus stuff coming. And so if you're not in, it's not too late. And the stuff that's out there, plus the stuff that's going to come between now and August, look, I'm going to plug it, right? It's 10 bucks to get that, that much time. There's probably 10 or 12 shows that'll get pumped out to that group over that time. And I'm going to tell you why. It's not because I don't want to serve the larger audience. It's not that at all. I can go in and record and post something to the bonus group, and I can do that in a few minutes. The full podcast needs to be recorded, sent to the producer, come back. I need to write an article to post it and then post it. And it's easily three, four, five days before that gets out there. Sometimes the moment has passed, right? Plus, and I'm not mad at Brian, but we pay him to prep those shows, right? And so it's like 50 bucks a show. And so if I've got an idea, a singular idea, I'm not going to do a full show for a singular idea. But when I have the outlet on the bonus, if I have a singular idea, it's posted, baby. And so there's something real, there's something tangible uh, to that. And uh, probably between now and and fall, um, I'll be doing a lot more of that than I will full-on shows. And that's just the reality of it. It's not me hating on uh, the non-contributors versus the contributors, uh, but it's just an ease of getting it out there. And um, <clears throat> that's uh, that's real. So the segue, what's next for the podcast? I'm kind of glad you asked, and I kind of answered uh, kind of answered some of that. So I'm going to do what I've done over the last two sort of shows. This this one and the prior one is I'm going to give you another quote. Uh, I don't know. I, I've been reading a lot, I guess. And so this is from Seth Godin, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Seth Godin is is one of the you know probably leading marketing minds uh, in the last you know 20 years. And so uh, he's written a number of books and is pretty clever and he's fun to listen to. And so one of the quotes that um, that I saw or heard from, you know, attributed to him and I went and looked it up and read a little bit about it. And, and uh, I said, man, that makes me think of the podcast. And so he said, uh, Seth Godin, one of those quotes, if you stopped showing up, would your audience miss you if you were gone? And I think, damn. I mean, think about that. And uh, when I when I answer that in the context of the podcast, I think yes. I think if we stopped podcasting, we would be missed. Um, I've had a number of people. We were negligent in getting out the Michigan show. I've had a number of people reach out and say, "Hey, where are you guys? Want to hear your take on this game?" Weeks after the game, when the game no longer mattered, people were still like, "I still want to hear what you guys think about that. I still want to hear your thoughts on that." Recruiting comes around. Hey, what do you guys think about that? What's your thought on this? And some people are just sending this like, hey, I want you to know, I want to know what you think. Please put the guy out a podcast. And some people reach out to us and say, hey, I'm just going to ask you directly what you think about that. And it's more of a conversation. Both forms of, of contact suggest that people miss us. People want more of our content. And that is as gratifying. I mean, I've met a handful of you live uh, in person 
I'm just a regular dude, right? And so that is so damn gratifying to to hear and engage that. And we've been and we've gotten that over the years, right? We tend to take the summers off and and people are like, you know, August starts coming around and we get just flooded with, man, I hope you guys are coming back. Hope you guys are coming back. Hope you guys are coming back. And and so I hear that quote and I think, you know, what little slice of, of what it is that we do and the audience that we have, yes, they appreciate, enjoy, and would miss and do miss. And so we're greatly appreciative of that. We want to provide more outlets that we can engage with you guys. The bonus podcast is a way to do that. The Facebook is a way to do that. The email is a way to do that. The messenger, you know, we have people that interact with us in a lot of different ways. We enjoy every single darn bit of it. We want more of it. Uh, I want to meet more of you live and in person. And so when we think about what's next, what's next is more, 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 more of what we do. Uh, I want more engagement. I want to share more drinks with listeners. I want to, you know, text with more listeners. I want to put out more podcasts. I want to put out more product. I want to engage more. I want more of what we've been doing. This will be our 11th season. And I'm going to tell you straight up, 2019, I think, was our best uh, season in terms of engagement, interaction, spending time with you guys, and then and just the, the content that we put out. I think it was one of our best years. When we think about what's next for 2020, I want it to be better. I want there to be more engagement. I want there to be a high lo- higher level of engagement. I want to meet more of you in person. I want to share, you know, a, you know, dinner or drinks or whatever it is with more of more of the listeners. Uh, the listener support campaign this year, some people liked it. I, I haven't heard a single person say they didn't like it, uh, but there's a lot of people that didn't participate, and that is perfectly fine. What I want to do is bring it back, make it better and grow it. Uh, and I can't emphasize enough that it's so easy to interact with, with, you know, those, those additional pot because there's less infrastructure in, in producing the podcast and putting it out there. There's less infrastructure and it feels more conversational. It feels more direct. And that leads to more engagement with more listeners. I want more of that. Uh, I want to see improvement on the website. And so if you guys are tracking us on alabamafootballpodcast.com, you're going to see some improvements, some enhancements on the website. Uh, more regular shows and more uh, more bonus shows. Uh, I'm just, I've am just i got a bullet list here, so I'm repeating myself a little bit. More engagement with listeners and uh, lots of ideas that are floating around in my head that, that I'm not ready to commit to yet. But if you keep showing up, I promise that we're going to keep showing up and you're going to start to see some of these these changes. If you have ideas, if you have not just football questions you'd like to us engage, but gosh, I wish you guys did more of this, or I wish maybe you should think about doing this because this would be cool, or I'd like your take on X, Y, and Z over here. Let us know because I've got ideas, but I don't know if they're in line with your ideas. And so if you have stuff that you'd like to see us do, let us know. And uh, I can't promise we're going to do all of it, but man, every time somebody has given us an idea, it's been a good one. And um, and and some we've already, some we've accomplished, some we haven't, some are still on the list, and um, and whatnot. But if you have stuff, you know, let us know because that's part of engagement. That's part of the fun. Um, we appreciate that you appreciate what we're doing, and uh, for that reason, we we definitely want to we definitely want to continue. And I can't emphasize enough that you know, I went to a game. Uh, we had a ticket giveaway, and so uh, Alan uh, joined us for a game. Damn, that was so much fun. Uh, we went to a bar uh, before, you know, before the game. I uh, had a drink or two, went down to the game, enjoyed the heck out of that, uh, came back. 
Well, if he drove home from, or if he left from there, if we had another drink, I wouldn't have another drink. Um, and so, but I, I want more of that with more of the fans. There was a great uh, opportunity to uh, participate in some tailgate this season, which was just phenomenal. Uh, meeting just all kinds of, of folks. And uh, we just want more of that because it's just so much damn fun. It's one thing for me to sit in a room by myself and talk football and send it out there and then go to games and not really talk to anybody. It, that engagement, that overall is just phenomenal. Want more of that. And so reach out to us. Uh, and I promise we've got more planned for this year. Uh, I want to really grow our audience, our listener participation, and uh, sort of the reach and impact uh, that we have with fans. And so we got some stuff um, planned to hopefully, hopefully accomplish that. And hopefully just the, the broad topic and just free form conversation that we've tried to have. I know it's one way me talking to you, but hopefully you're thinking through and like, yeah, I want to respond or respond because I want that two way uh, conversation. And, and uh, my horse is, my voice is going down because I've recorded these back to back and uh, I'm about to run out of gas here and I'm probably a little woo at this point, but uh, I just want to tell you, it's so much fun uh, sending these messages out, sending these podcasts out, engaging with you all. And uh, I hope you enjoy it half as much as I do. And I hope you'll engage with us because we certainly enjoy it. And before I repeat myself one more time, I'm going to say, hey, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Stick around. Hang out with us because we've got more content coming. But in the meantime, roll tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a roll tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.